Hey, welcome to this week's episode of the Archerpreneur Podcast, where every week we talk about how you can bring your creative dreams to life. My name is Cole. My name is Adam. And uh, this is Adam's farewell episode. It's true. Um, Thank as, you for your great service and wisdom over the year. You know, as much as I uh, hate to say goodbye to our audience, I know they're in good hands with you. Thank you so much. And there is going to be more to come over there the There will be year. more to come. In the meantime, and this isn't a scam, but today we're going to talk about three scams artists fall for and uh, what to do instead of falling for a scam. Yeah. So obviously no one wants to fall for a scam, um, but that's the tricky thing about scams is you don't know you're in it. Until and it's too late. Until it's too late. You know, the classic uh, mm. panning for gold, who made all the money at the end? The guy selling the pans, you know, oh. that kind of thing. So we're going to look And the guy at, who found gold using the pan, but all the other people. Not so much, right? Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about... A Sounds f- like a classic pyramid scheme. Oh, one of the best. Uh, so we're going to talk about some scams that artists fall for. Um, some are blatant. Some are a little more, you know, behind the curtain sort of things. And talk about what you can do instead of falling for that scam. So the first one is going to be falling for, maybe the word is gurus of many kinds. Uh, there are always going to be people who try to sell you some sort of secret knowledge or some sort of system that they've devised. If you spend really any time on social media and in enough artist groups and things like that, you will come across those people. They're trying to sell you an online course or whatever it is. So yes, you can learn how to make art from an online course, but when you see, take my online course and I'll teach you how to scale your art business to a hundred thousand dollars using my patented three point system or whatever it is. A lot of these people are not someone that was making it in art. So Mm -hmm. they pivoted to, well, how can I sell this PDF or this video course that I made? Yeah. So that is a trendy way in the digital nomad sort of space to make money. Have Uh, you, have you fallen for a, a, uh, an online guru scheme? I have not. Um, I've definitely been in some circles where people are like, yeah, this guy sold me his course and it was kind of not so, Yeah, you know, I paid 300 bucks and he was going to coach me for a month, whatever it is. And you end up in, they make some kind of private Facebook group. Like that's one of the big, uh-huh. you know, oh, buy the course, you'll get, get training, private Facebook. you'll get on our discord, whatever it is. Those kind of things are a big red flag, but if you're new to the business or you're new to the hobby and you come across someone like that, who's trying to sell you this dream of, Oh, I have these people who took my course and now they're full-time artists and they're making a hundred thousand dollars a year doing murals or whatever it is yeah. like, you know, run away from that. And, and at the same time, it's not to say that there is no value to education and there is no value to paying for education. If there's like legitimate educational opportunities that will help you move forward in what it is you're doing, that could be a great investment for you. But I think it's kind of, if somebody's promising you something that seems better than it actually could be in the end, it's probably better than it will be in the end. Yeah. So I mean, instead. Yeah. So instead, what you can do is focus your output on creating more art, which sounds obvious, but when you get so wrapped up in trying to do these courses and basically do all the trainings and whatever it is you can forget to actually make the art yeah so that's number one number two is to seek out educational resources that are not aimed at your niche Hmm. which is going to sound weird 
But there are books on entrepreneurship that are just entrepreneurship. There are books on business. There are books on how to handle communication. Read those. Yeah. You can watch, honestly, watch Shark Tank and watch The Profit on TV, and you're going to learn a lot about making business deals without having to give somebody, you know, 600 bucks for their business coaching guruism. Like, there are resources out there that are tried and tested and true that exist without having to kind of buy into some sort of culty system. Another way people are trying to profit off artists is through pay to play schemes scam number two pay to play yeah this is a an especially bad one in the music industry and in the concert industry but i've seen it everywhere um so what a pay to play scheme is is basically i come to an artist and i say hey do you want to play this concert and they're gonna say yeah that sounds great and i'll be like awesome i need you to sell 30 tickets they're 12 bucks each when you Come back for the show. Give me the money, basically. $360. Exactly. So then the artist is going out there and they're saying, well, I now have to sell $360 worth of tickets or else I can't play the show. And then... Or worse, you have to take it out of pocket if you don't sell the $360. Well, yeah, that's where the problem comes in is you're going to be selling tickets to your mom, your grandma, your uncle, your teacher, their kid, and then you're going to buy nine tickets... (laughs) Yeah. To actually hit that quota so that you can play at this venue that you're really excited to play. Yeah. And the music is music is an industry. Sorry. Is not the only place that this happens. Like I've heard about it happening in craft fairs and in, you know, art galleries and things like that. If someone is making you pay up front to be somewhere, really evaluate that offer and figure mm-hmm. out, is this actually worth it? Or is this just a middleman who's basically renting a space And then they're renting out chunks of that space to people to make way more money than they would have made if they had to put on their own show. Yeah. Yeah. So, for example, in the music industry, promoters who are ethical and who are doing the right thing are not going to ask you to do pay to play. So if you are someone who gets offered something like this and there are a lot of booking companies who will do that and oftentimes they're the one reaching out to you they're sending out an email to 50 artists a month or they're sending out facebook messages to every musician they can think of look at that offer and then see if there are promoters that are more locally based like a lot of these are national companies find a local promoter and just talk to them say hey have you heard of this company have you ever done one of their shows, et cetera, and so on? And a lot of times people will just tell you, oh, yeah, that's pay to play. I, you know, I sold 30 tickets. I played at, you know, 8 p.m. The show started at 6. There was 40 other bands on it. Half of them were rappers. The other half were jazz. There's an acoustic guy. Like, they're, they're not a well-put-together, thought-out event. So you basically feel like you're playing a high school talent show. So talk to people and just see... Hey, what have you done with this promoter? Is this pay to play? Is this bad? Is this good? And a lot of times you can go to the venues directly and just say, Hey, I want to book a show. Who do I talk to? Mm -hmm. And they'll have like real promoters who aren't doing pay to play that they'll direct you to. Yeah, for sure. So instead of paying somebody to let us do what it is that we want to do, we can contact people directly. Um, What else can we do? Well, you can do the math on... For example, let's say you make candles 
and you want to do your first booth at a marketplace. Yeah. Do the math on that because I've talked to people who are like, oh yeah, I did this craft fair and I sold 20 candles, but it cost me 350 bucks to have a booth. So it's like, you know, it was a wash at the end of the day. So just do the math. Try to find places that will let you either do consignment or even doing online sales, whatever it is. Like if you're a small craft artisan business or an artist who's trying to sell prints or whatever it is, just beware of blowing your whole budget on things where you pay up front to sell things. And there is a component to it where there might be things that feel like um, a good opportunity and they are, but they don't necessarily wash out in the end financially. Like if you just need to get out in front of people and figure out what's working and what's not working, maybe there is an opportunity to do that. And, but, but it's not you saying, Oh, I'm doing this because I think it's going to be a good financial decision. It's you saying, this is me putting in some money to kind of test what it is that I'm doing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm not saying write off all craft fairs and all concerts and whatever it is, but realize what it's going to be going into it. And finally, number three, and this is a big one, equipment and gear and supply companies hmm. are always going to try to get you to buy that next best piece of art equipment. And it is fun to shop. So this one doesn't even feel like a scam because yeah. we do get that little dopamine hit when we hit buy now. Yeah. And when the package lands on our front door, we're super excited to see it there. But, you know, sometimes we end up spending way more money on equipment than we would ever make back from buying it and making art with it. Yeah. And, and I think this goes also to maybe a, a thought or a mindset that we have sometimes, which is, oh, in order to do what I need to do, if I just buy a new tool, then I'll be able to do the thing. It's like if you're journaling and it's like, I have 17 journals that are half full. If I just buy a new one, I'll start journaling regularly again. Um, and I think that we have that mindset about our art. Sometimes if we go out and spend a hundred dollars on new supplies, then maybe we're going to, you know, now, now we're going to start doing what it is that we want to do when we, when we create. Yeah. And this one is something that comes at you from the internet. It comes at you in real life. Like, I've gone to the store to pick up strings for my guitar and left with like a whole new guitar. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, well, I got strings and they had a guitar attached to it. So yeah. that was the right purchase. Um, and one thing to consider too, YouTubers and bloggers who are doing reviews or doing gear lists, things like that, a lot of times have affiliate links in yeah. the description, which isn't inherently bad, but it is going to encourage them to try to get you to actually end up buying something nobody whose business is reviewing art supplies on youtube is going to say don't buy any new art supplies for a year and practice yeah right but that might be the advice that you need sure so you know when it comes to what to do instead i think that pretty much sums it up yeah like if something breaks replace it if you run out of paint buy more paint if you need a canvas buy a canvas but when you're doing that, like be intentional about what you're buying. Be smart about it. Don't go into the store to buy paint and come out with 72 new paintbrushes and a new easel and a new desk. And then you need a new chair and then it mm. just becomes a whole ordeal. Yep. So just be aware of that and don't fall for the trick of you're not going to be able to make great art if you don't buy this new thing. Sure. Well, as always, thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, find us on Archer on Instagram at Entrepreneur Podcast, and we'll see you next week, or at least I will. <laughs> Bye. Adios. <laughs>